And Father God, we do thank you um, that we can rejoice that you did come um, to pay our ransom, and you paid it in full. Uh, We thank you for the unique way that you did that by sending your son uh, as an infant to Mary. I pray that tonight we would be able to focus uh, on the word and be able to fellowship together in that. In your name, amen. Go ahead and give a little wave to those around you and greet them. All right, we have a couple announcements we would like to make you aware of. Uh, First of all, um, our Awana leadership team uh, decided that we will be finishing out um, 2020 for Awana. Uh, The next two weeks of December, we are going to be doing that virtually over Zoom. And uh, so we had a great time this past week. We did an in-house scavenger hunt, and uh, we talked about the finding Christ in the Old Testament and the prophecies about uh, Jesus' birth in the Old Testament. We had a great time with that, and so we'll be continuing that going forward. If you have any questions about that, you can contact me. Um, an email goes out every Wednesday with the information how to log in to Zoom um, and join us. Tomorrow night here at Maranatha, uh, we will be having a time of prayer. Um, we don't really have a set agenda for that, just kind of a old-fashioned prayer meeting, getting together, sharing the word with one another, and being an encouragement uh, through prayer. Uh, The 13th and the 27th, there will be no Sunday school. Um, We are going to ask that families um, be together during our Sunday services for that, and there is no Saturday service on December 26th. Uh, As you know, um, each weekend we try to find a reason for joy. We call it we try to celebrate something that God has done um, in the week past or in the month past, and thankfully I get to share a little bit about some joy um, that was shared with me and my wife and my family uh, during the Thanksgiving week. Um, did, has, has anyone ever, raise your hand, has anyone ever, while you were driving, had the tire come off of your car? That happened to me on Thanksgiving morning about 7.30 as I was going a little bit over the speed limit on Highway 8 uh, on our way home to Michigan. My wife had gotten off of work and we left about 4.30 in the morning and we were just outside the little town of Crandon when my front left tire decided to uh, leave my vehicle and uh, the bolts in the front assembly had broken off and uh, we came to a literal screeching halt um, as we were driving on three wheels and a rotor, screeching down the, the highway and sparks flying behind us. And I can laugh about this now, but as we came to a stop, I you know, looked back, my wife was okay, and as I look out, outside, I see my tire going, <laughs> passing me down the highway and eventually rolling into the ditch. I was not that pleased with it at the time, but now looking back, it is funny. And um, we called a tow truck who said, okay, we'll be there in about an hour. Um, And I was like, praise God, someone can come get us. I called Cody, and he was willing to come get us and bring us just back to Rice Lake. And we were going to spend Thanksgiving with him and his family instead of going home um, because we only had a couple days to get home and come back. So we just decided to turn around and come back. And um, while we were waiting on the side of the road, um, I had just gotten the tire back in my car, um, couldn't reattach it because the bolts were broken. So we were sitting waiting for a tow truck, and a man on his way home from work, he was an EMT, pulled up behind us to make sure we were okay. 
and his his name was Chris. He said, "Hey, my name's Chris. Do you guys need anything?" And I'm like, um, "Well, I you know hate to ask, but if you could give us a ride into town, to maybe a gas station or something, we could wait where it's warm after the tow truck takes our car. Um, I have a friend coming to pick us up. That'd be good." He'd like he said, "Absolutely. You know, it's Thanksgiving. Definitely can help you guys out." So we, Chris and I kind of were looking at the car, and he his he went back to call his wife to his truck. I made sure. Um, you know, the tow truck was on the way, and I came back to Chris. I said, you know, what, what do you want to do here? Do you want to take it, you know, do you want to take us in now, or do you want to wait till the tow truck gets here? And he said, well, do you guys, are you guys going somewhere for Thanksgiving? And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, he's going to offer, you know, he, we can spend Thanksgiving at his house until Cody comes get us, yada, yada, yada. And he said, and I said, yeah, we're, we're actually on our way to Michigan, um, Lower Peninsula, Michigan, to see our family for the weekend. Um, haven't seen them in a while. And he said, um, oh, well, that's, you know, that's kind of a bummer. I said, yeah, well, probably now we'll just turn around and, you know, we'll, Cody will come get us and we'll go back to Rice Lake. And he looked at me dead in the face and said, well, that's kind of stupid. Why don't you just take my car? And I thought he meant take his car back to Rice Lake to get our car, then drive his back. But no, he, in fact, meant to take his car to Michigan to see our family. And between um, a slightly mixed vocabulary, um, he explained that he was in a position to help people. He said, this is, this is one of four cars I own, and it's fully insured, it's fully paid for, so even if you crash it, I'm totally covered. And um, so we ended up, we waited for the tow truck, and I came back to my wife and I said, are you okay if we take his, his car? And she was like, oh, we're just going to you know, hop in the car and go into town, and I was like, no, we're going to take it to Michigan. Um, total stranger, never met the guy before, um, and he found a way, not a safe man, I, I don't believe, but in, in his mind, it was Thanksgiving Day, we were, and I was just thinking, um, I was in a, and I was explaining this to my parable, to my, or excuse me, to my father-in-law, there was a lot like the parable of the Good Samaritan, because he even went as far as to offer us gas money to get home. And uh, I don't know about you, but that is a, a level of generosity that I do not have, um, or at least didn't have, to offer my car, or to even offer a ride to someone on the side of the road, to offer them my car, and even to offer them gas money. Um, and he found a way to bring me and my family some joy. Um, and that, that touched me very much, um, and has kind of changed a little bit about myself and how I view um, others in need, even if I don't know them. Um, but as I was, you know, we've prepared uh, Advent stuff looking forward, and Cody's like, oh, tonight we're talking about joy. And I just thought, you know, I got a lot of joy about the fact that he gave me his car to get home to Michigan. I got a lot of joy being home and spending time with family. But it really pales in comparison when I think about the joy that we have in Christ. Um, the fact that he came as a baby, and we're going to talk about that tonight. If you remember last week, we talked about having hope. Um, and we, you know, we, we have our Advent candles here, and um, we're going to light our next one. But tonight we're going to be talking about joy, good news of great joy. Um, and Pastor Cody's going to come and share with us about that. At this time... Kathy and John, would you come up and uh, they're going to read a Bible passage and light the candle of joy.
Isaiah 35.10. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Well, good evening, everyone. We are excited to be in our Advent series. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at kind of different stories within the Christmas story to see how different people respond to Christmas. When I was a little boy, my parents adopted me from Milwaukee. They lived in Hartford for a very, um, uh, they, they lived in Fond du Lac for a very short time. Then they moved to Hartford, Wisconsin, which is kind of between Fond du Lac and Milwaukee. And living in Hartford, we lived in an apartment building. And there were many families in that building, and we were up in the upstairs part, the second level, and right below us was the Tapia family. Hector and Maria Tapia. And they had a little girl, Becky, that was my age. We played a lot together. And my parents didn't go to church at all. And it's interesting that the Tapia family, Hector and Maria, invited my parents to church. And we went to First Baptist Church in Hartford, Wisconsin. And throughout time, it was interesting to see how my family responded to Jesus. And Hector would invite many people in the apartment complex to come to church. Many people rejected that, but my family said, yeah, we'll go. And through the course of time, my parents saw the beauty of Jesus and surrendered their lives to Christ. And for me, myself, when I was seven years old, in Sunday school, all the things kind of clicked for me, and I realized the beauty of Jesus. And I responded to Christ. But in that apartment complex, many people responded in different ways to Christ. Some rejected, some did not. So before we get into our passage today, let's pray. Lord, we come to You and pray because we know that we are frail human beings. And on our own, we would and we have rejected You. And Lord, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God doing His work, Lord, we would still reject You. So Lord, I pray right now by Your Spirit that You would move in our hearts as we think about responding to Christ. Responding to Christmas. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are many... Many great uh, movies out during the Christmas season and many great Christmas stories that have been written. And one of the most famous ones is from Charles Dickens. Anybody know his famous one? A Christmas what? Christmas Carol, yes. It's one of my favorite ones. And my favorite adaptation of that is the Muppet one. Here's a picture, I think, of that. Anybody seen this adaptation of it? I love it. And one of my favorite lines in there is, light the lamp, not the rat. It's one of my favorite lines in, in there. It's a great one. 
overshadowed by this great famous one that Charles Dickens wrote in the 1800s is many other classic great writings of his. And one of them is A Tale of Two Cities. And anybody ever read Tale of Two Cities? Okay, two of you, awesome. Three of you, okay, great. Um, it's probably known, in fact, all of you know the first opening line of his, this Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times, it was the... Man, maybe you all have read it before, right? Okay, you know the first line. They can chalk it off like, yeah, I wrote it. Read the cliff notes, okay. It was the best time, is the worst of times. Last week, we took a look at Luke chapter 2. So take your Bibles right now and turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have those provided for you up there. In fact, if you use one of our Bibles, if you could, just drop it off at the table there so we can kind of keep it clean. We're trying to, because we got tomorrow's service there with us and those of you watching at home we encourage you to get your bible out get ready last week we looked at chapter two it's kind of like the most famous christmas story in all the gospels the other gospels talk about christ is coming maybe in different ways matthew mark and luke kind of have their familiar ways of doing it whereas john has a different way so luke chapter two pastor tony preached on luke chapter two the famous one that most of us have heard and have seen, and also my second favorite Christmas adaptation of the story is the Peanuts one, the Charlie Brown one, and they even quote Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the famous classic one. Most people know that one, but sometimes chapter 1 gets overshadowed by the famous one, chapter 2. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at chapter 1. So go back a chapter to chapter 1. Today we will not just be reading a tale like a tale of two cities or a story of two households in this apartment complex in Hartford, Wisconsin many years ago. Today we're going to look at a real story. Not a tale, but a real story. A, and I thought of titling it this. I didn't know which one to, to end up with. But a story of two babies. Or a story of two parents, or a story of two mothers-to-be, or a story of two responses, a story of two songs. What we're going to do is we're going to look at two parallel stories, two mothers, kind of two, two examples of two people responding to an angel. We're going to look at two different contrasts. They're parallel, but there's similarities, there's contrast within the story, and eventually they will have the same response so the story in chapter one highlights joy and that's kind of the candle we we lit today so joy is the theme of this year a sense of wondrous blessing found in god fulfilling his promise and then the response at first is different but then at the end it's the same so here's the parallel pattern take a look at this chart that I've made here, this chart that we've got here. So we've got the two different parallel examples. And I'm going to walk through this through the timeline. We're going to go part one, part one of Zachariah, then part one of Mary's story, then we'll continue with Mary, part two, her story, and then part two of Zachariah's story. So we're going to see there's these parallel aspects. There's the angel, Gabriel shows up, then this birth is announced, and then they have a response. Then there's favor mentioned often throughout this chapter, and then a miracle happens, 
And then there's the response. So what we're going to do is we're kind of just going to leave this screen up here and then we're going to fill in all the aspects. We'll populate it with the different things that happen here. So let's begin with Zechariah chapter 1, starting with verse 5. So get your Bibles and listen along as I go through this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. We're in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So here we have an important, so the first line that we got here is an important official. Zechariah is this priest. He comes from this family, and even his wife comes from the priestly line of Aaron. So we have this important person. And it's interesting, back in these times, there are so many priests in, in this time period. There's so many priests around, kind of like a multi-staff church. There are so many priests that they each only get two weeks to serve in that function to do the duties of the priest at this time. So Zechariah is chosen. He's got his two-week time period to be the priest. And so now he's with a couple other priests. They're getting everyone ready for worship. They're doing their thing. He's, he's getting everything ready. And then he is chosen by Lot. So not only does he get to do his two-week time period of serving as a priest, as a minister, he gets to be chosen of all of them to go in and do something special. Burning incense. So we have this important official. And we read that they are doing things in a right way. Zechariah is a blameless. That doesn't mean he's sinless, but he is upright. He's righteous. He's living godly. He's doing and following the commands. But one of the things was he had priorities. He had God as his priority. Work was his priority. And his wife was his priority. But we see here in Luke chapter 1 that they had no children. See, in this time period, if you had children, it was a sign that God truly was blessing you. And they were childless. She was unable to have children, and she was old, and he was old. And also, so we got here, if you could go to the next slide. I think it's got, yeah, so he's an important official. The next one is a kind of a public occasion. So he's doing his priestly duties. People are there. Like the last line, all assembled. The worshipers are praying outside. He's fulfilling his duties. Now let's go to the next part. Again, we're in Luke chapter 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. So here we have this angel that has come. This 
angelic appearance. And this kind of goes together, the story here. So we're going to kind of take a look at that chart up there. We're going to see it. Next is the birth announced. So as Zechariah is praying for the nation, I love how God answers his prayer. Not his prayers for the nation, but his prayers for a child. Here's the announcement. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. This is important lines coming up here. And he will go on before the Lord in the sight, in the power of Elijah to turn hearts to their parents, to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And here it is, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So this birth is announced. And what is this announcement? A son to prepare the way for the Messiah. The message is, guess what? Zechariah, you've been waiting, but now, guess what? You are going to have a son. But it's not just a son. Your son will be great. A son to prepare the way for the Messiah. John will be the one coming to fill, fulfill the promises in the Old Testament found in Isaiah chapter 40, Malachi chapter 3, saying, guess what? There's going to be one who comes to prepare the way of the Messiah. And Zechariah's like, my son's that one? Here's his response. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well in years. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but most of you have phones that text, correct? Yeah? Have you ever received a text and you're wondering, What's the tone of this text? I'm just reading the words. Is this person mad at me? Are they happy? What's going on? So when we read this, we might just read him going, how can this be? But we'll see here that there's implied doubt within his statement. Here's what the angel says. Look at verse 19. Luke chapter 1, verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of of God. Remember Gabriel in the Old Testament. We heard of Gabriel when we were in the book of Daniel. Gabriel seems to be the spokesperson to bring messages directly from God. So basically, if you don't listen to Gabriel, you're not listening to God. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. God spoke through His angel, Gabriel, and what did Zechariah do? He didn't believe. He doubted. He did not trust God. Now why would he not do that? Well, he, the angel says, don't be afraid. But part of it I think he doubted because guess what? He's like, I'm really old. I'm not going to have a baby. I've been waiting for so long. I've lost hope in that prayer of me having a child. Why are you telling me this right now? But you know what's interesting? Zechariah, who is a priest, knows the Old Testament. 
You know, there's a couple stories in the Old Testament of old people having babies. Abraham and Sarah, they're old. He knew that. He knew that old people, when the Lord designs it, they can have a child, but still he doubts. Now look at verse 20. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Until the day John is born, his baby is born. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So the response here is he doubts and he's punished because he doubted. God judges him because of his doubt and he can't speak. He's struck dumb is the old word. He's speechless. He's unable to speak until nine months from there when his baby's born. It's interesting to think when he doubted, he was judged and punished. Now that doesn't happen all the time when people are doubting in Scripture. For instance, one of my heroes is Thomas. People call him Doubting Thomas. But gratefully when he said, Lord, is that really you? Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm going to punish you. No, look, feel. But for him, Zechariah, he doubted. He's punished. Now we move to favor. Look at verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. And often in the Old Testament, when someone sees an angel or the Lord um, presents something unique to them or dream of vision, sometimes they're unable to speak so they realize, oh, he must have saw an angel. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. So Elizabeth is in seclusion and he's in seclusion too. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In the days He has shown me His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So the favor is this. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. So here's this exciting joy that's going to be they're going to have a baby. And this pregnancy is remarkable and the baby will be great. Now let's move to the other main participant in the story, Mary, part 1. We're going to read verses 26 through 38. We begin, now again, see there's going to be this parallel aspect how each of them have kind of the same things happening, but their response is very different. Angelic appearance. In contrast to Zechariah, we have one who is Mary. Mary is simple. She is of low social status. Okay? There's not much given about Mary in this one. It doesn't say, oh, she was, you know, this, this young girl who, who was, you know, blameless. It doesn't say all the stuff that Zachary. Zachariah was a priest, public official. Everyone knew them. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were great people. For Zachariah, it was great, but for Mary, it's different. She's an unknown female. And here we have a private occasion. For Zechariah, it was public. Now we're going to see it's private. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So this angelic appearance comes to, take a look, to a simple person, lowly, a female, in a private, unlike Zechariah. The birth is announced. The Son of the Most High, the Messiah. So here, the angel, just like for Zechariah, Zechariah said, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Now to Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. The Son of the Most High. Now look at the response. Again, our theme of this series is different ways people respond to Christmas. Verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who, she was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. So she's overwhelmed, just like Zechariah was overwhelmed at this, yet at the same time, humble in this. How can this be? Now, when we read these words of Zechariah, he kind of has that same tone, but he has a different tone in it. He doubts, where I don't think Mary's doubting not disbelief like, oh, God can't do that. She's wondering, wait a second. I'm a young girl about to be married. I have been married. I'm a virgin. How can this be? And the, ans- the angel answers her. Yet in Mary's situation, a virgin birth, that's never happened. Where Zechariah, he knew that elderly, by God, when it's appointed, can get pregnant. Where Mary, she's like, I'm a virgin. This, this can't happen. Yet, she believed the response blessed because she believed so take a look at again zachariah he doubted he was punished whereas mary she believed and then she was blessed by that now we move to mary part two verses 39 through 47 and then to 56 this could be almost called i keep saying this two you know, a tale of two cities or a story of two births, a story, a testimony of two mothers. Favor, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, listen to this, the baby, little John, baby inside of Elizabeth, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill the promise to her. Again, back to Mary. Mary believed that God was going to do this miraculous thing. And out of that, she had favor and she had faith. To be God's elect, to be the vessel in which the Messiah would come. In fact, there's writings in Jewish literature talking about, okay, there's a Messiah coming. There's this King coming. Who will it be? Who's the royal queen that will give birth to this Messiah? And here it's Mary. Mary gets to be the one who gives birth to the Deliverer, to the Messiah, to the Savior, who will deliver the nation and the world. What a great privilege. And this pregnancy isn't just remarkable, as Zechariah, take a look at it. It's remarkable and the baby's great. Look at this. This pregnancy is miraculous. And the baby will be not just great, but very great. Miracle. It's one thing to feel the baby move. Now, I'm talking to you dads. How many of you dads, when your wife was pregnant, put your hand and was like, oh, I felt the kick, right? Oh, that was awesome. I remember going, at first I was like, whoa, I don't want to hurt the baby. Oh, this is great. Little Kaylin moving around in there, swimming around. I was like, this is... And my wife, she's not swimming. Trust me, okay. But we've all felt, maybe some of you, not all of you, maybe some of you felt the baby move. Those of you who are pregnant, yep, you understand that more than I do. This is more than just a baby moving. This infant had a strong leaping, a moving when Mary greeted Elizabeth. Clearly, the baby understood what was happening. And this unborn, little John, the unborn is leaping, moving, in response to the miraculous event found with Mary. And John accepts, even though he's not born, John accepts his ordained role as the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah. So the miracle is the unborn baby leaped. It's not just remarkable, this is a great baby that Mary has. Song. Look at verse 46 now. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for He has been mindful to the humble state of His servant. So this, I'm not going to read the whole song here, but the song, take a look at Mary at the end here, at the bottom of that chart, it says, Joy, thanking God for His mercy that He gave to her. Mary praises God. If you read through this, he praises God that he has reached out to the oppressed. He reached out to the humble, to the lowly ones, and for caring for the poor and lifting his covenant to the people of Israel, delivering them from oppression. So, in this time period now, Mary and Elizabeth have three months together hanging out. Now let's go to the last part of the story. Zechariah part 2, verses 57 through 68. 
It was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord has shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Now customary in this time are two things. Number one, often you might be called after your father. Do we have any juniors in here? No? Okay. Do we have any juniors in your family? Some of you have a junior named in your family. Okay. Some of you might. You know. So it's very customary for the Jewish people to name after your father or maybe someone in their family. Also, second, what's customary is this. The father is the one who names the child. Not the mother. The mother is usually the quiet one. They probably talk before him, but the father says, my child shall be named this. So look at verse 61. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives. So where am I? Oh yeah. So on the eighth day, Zechariah, but his mother spoke, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And everyone, to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. So already we've got a couple customs that are being broken. He isn't named after someone in the family. And the mother seemed to be naming it, but the father says, okay, here it is. Miracle. Tongue is loosed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonderful or wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. So here we have another miracle in the story. Just like Gabriel said, because you doubted, you'll be punished. You will not be able to speak. But as soon as the baby is born in the circumcision, name the child. His tongue is loosed. Now we go to the song. For nine months, and for about five months they were in seclusion, for nine months Elizabeth has been able to appreciate the wonderful news. I'm having a baby. It's growing. She's been able to think through that. Wonderful news. But what about Zechariah? He doubted and now he can't speak. Frustrated. Far worse than seclusion is the time of silence for him. But he had time to work through his failure of doubt and find more faith in God. In his silence, he found a faith that he'd been missing, and the miracle came. Look at verse 67. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. And the song goes to the end of the chapter. Joy. Praising God for the Messiah. Zechariah's focus was on the, the past promises of God. Mary's song, if you read through it, is more about how thankful she is that God has blessed her and the nation, whereas Zechariah looks back and he's fulfilling and the spirit, spiritual salvation that is about to come. 
his newfound faith, finds the full expression. He begins to speak and praise God. He's come full circle. Look at the chart again. He doubted and was punished, but now he's worked through that and has faith in God and he sings it out and proclaims the goodness of God. His hymn, his song, his words parallels Mary's. At the end, they both respond in joy. It's interesting we got this chapter 1. Parallel things are happening. Two different responses in the beginning, but notice at the end, the same response in the end of the chapter. So let me end with this. When I was a little boy, I grew up in Hartford, Wisconsin. In that apartment complex were many households, many homes. All of them heard about Jesus. Because I tell you what, Hector Tapia below me and my dad, they went door to door knocking saying, hey, come to church. Here's a little track. They told everyone about Jesus. So let me end with this. Today we have two different households around us. Think about it. Think about your neighborhood. Think about where you work. There's different homes represented all around you. Some live in disbelief while others choose joy as they see the blessing found in God fulfilling His promise in Jesus the Messiah. How do you respond to Christmas? Do you anticipate the work of God in your life? Or are you tired of praying the same prayer like Zachariah and Elizabeth? Lord, give us a child. Lord, give us a child. Uh, we're way too old. It's not going to happen. And you now have doubt and you're just done praying that prayer. Don't give up praying. Don't give up asking God for Him to work in your life. Nothing is impossible for God. Look at Luke chapter 1. Look at the miraculous things that happened on that chart. Many things happen. Nothing is impossible for God. So here it is. You have many on your street, in your neighborhood, who do not know of Jesus. And they're going to respond. And they have probably their whole lives rejected the beauty of the birth of Christ. Our response should be two things as Christians. Number one, receive the gift of Christ. Number two, go tell it on the mountain. And that's our theme Christmas carol. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a couple more Christmas carols. Join me in prayer. Father God, I thank You so much for the beauty of a God who can do the impossible. Yeah, there's a couple stories of some old people in the Bible. A woman who is totally barren, she's unable to have children, and You do something remarkable. Far greater than that is the virgin birth of our Savior. Why? It's miraculous because You did it, but it had to be done that way because Jesus had to be fully man and fully God. And we praise You for the miracle of that found in Luke chapter 1. Help us respond not with doubt, but with humble faith as we see the beauty of Jesus this Christmas.
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?